Hey there, dear listener. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give you a little heads up. A few times in this week's episode, the audio gets a little janky in places. This is totally on me. I genuinely forgot to flip a switch somewhere when we started recording and didn't realize until we were a good way through. I hope it doesn't detract from your enjoyment of the episode because we had a lot of fun on this one, even though, and spoiler alert, I really disliked this movie. Anyway, I hope you're well, I hope you're staying safe, and thank you again for listening. Now, on with the show. On this week's show, there is something in the air tonight, Fernando, and it's the festering stench of this absolute stinker. That's right, we're talking Mamma Mia, here we go again. I'm Neff Knowles. I'm Lauren Badiros. I'm Roddy Guzm. And I'm Megan Swain. And this is Bad With Numbers. thing with this movie it made me think have any of you ever been super close in real life to breaking into song uh not not super close to breaking into song like literally being in a song um and this is kind of fucking weird right but when i was at university in my first year i shared um an apartment with like four other guys uh and we had like a a shared kitchen area Mm -hmm. and one time we all seemed to convene in that kitchen area at exactly the same moment and we all walked into it singing exactly the same song at exactly the same point and it was fucking weird and i don't know why because it wasn't like on a radio or anything it just seemed to be that we were all singing chasing rainbows by shed seven an old Britpop band at exactly yeah. the same moment and it was mm. fucking freaky seems like a glitch in the matrix shit wrong movie <laughs> No, remember when flash mobs were a thing? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I remember when flash mobs were a thing. Did you guys ever see any of those? Uh, there was a period of time when I was like, let's try something new. So, uh, yes, I was in a flash mob at Dundas Square. <laughs> wow. It was like this eclectic mix of all these various alternative songs, like Like Ye Lee and whatnot. But it went on for like 15 minutes. And like the choreo that you had to learn was like had to learn it in like the span of two hours so it was like a mess but uh, like, no but like in the end it was like fine because i don't know it's like one of those memory things when you're young like what did you do so like when i'm old on like in like a bed and like dying <laughs> this got dark but like <laughs> but i could be like oh i remember that one time i danced and when you could do flash mobs in toronto you can't do that now laura me and you nearly did a flash mob once i don't know if you can like nearly do a flash mob do you remember this the the Owen Wilson thing at the bottom of the CN Tower that we were going to go to. Oh yes, yes, I do remember that. We were going to go with the uh, with Alex, weren't we? Because we were just going to. Wasn't it like we were just all going to yell "Wow" at the same time? I think the idea was everybody <laughs> stood at the bottom of the CN Tower and we were just to stand there and go "Wow" and just point at the CN Tower, going "Wow!" Like Owen Wilson. Man, why didn't we go? <laughs> that would have been so. Sick. Wait, did it happen? And you guys didn't go? Oh yeah, no, it happened. We 
just uh, we just couldn't be bothered. To yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Uh, welcome to Bad with Numbers, a podcast where we talk about mostly terrible sequels. This week on the show, we are talking about Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Here we go again from the year 2018, directed by Ol Parker, who has made a couple of other movies. He made a he made a movie with Dakota Fanning. Oh, she's great. What what movie? I forget what it's called. It was kind of like a, a young adult, like those um those Fault in the Stars kind of movies about. The- oh, I think it's called Yeah Now Is Good or something. Oh, okay. I didn't see it. No, me neither. Um, anybody see that first Mamma Mia movie? Mamma Mia. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> although I don't. Oh, so I'm the only one that didn't then. Okay. I I don't remember a ton about it. I mean, I probably remember more about it than I do about this movie, which is weird. But I don't remember much about either one. Didn't you just watch this like at the weekend? I just finished watching this like a couple of hours ago. You've already blocked it. From I've already forgotten most of it. Like American Pie for me. Honestly, like I, I rewatched uh, the first one, I think a couple days ago, mm. um, just to see how it does hold up after watching Mamma Mia 2. It doesn't because, I don't know, first of all, they show uh, the love interest, the three, Sam, Bill, and Harry, uh, with her in like different photos in Mamma Mia 1, and none of them look like their younger selves that they casted. So that was very interesting. You know, it kind of just shows that they had no intentions of a Mamma Mia 2. And then from there, some of the songs kind of crossed over. So uh, what is it? The one that Roddy likes. I like a lot of songs. (laughs) The one with Young Harry. Oh, I like Waterloo. I like. I don't necessarily love that song. I just think that's the scene where they spent the most time to actually do choreography. I guess we can get into like what makes a good musical later, or now, mm. or whenever you like it. Um, we'll find <laughs> out. Uh, but I think for me is when there's a lot of the movie. The middle chunk is a lot of them just like looking at you, at each other, and singing. Where it's not really. There's no kind of I don't know purpose to their movements. It's just like I don't know sing along with the song and that's like that's that counts as a musical and that's not entertaining i need like choreography i need like i don't know something something that happened with the camera besides just following them around kind of my major complaint about this movie is it's so flat it is literally just people standing in rooms singing abba songs right and occasionally there's a big flash mobby dance sequence but it just i don't know to me it just didn't really feel organic to the to the movie it just felt i don't know i can't really put my finger on it because i like the music and i like the actors but it always freaks me out when like the background actors join in yeah and this like very intimate moment between the two like main characters it just kind of feels like what are you guys doing are you okay like in the first one it's a lot of the people who are helping in the hotel they'll join in in the yeah. song and i'm just like what are you doing like go back to gardening <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't see the first mamma mia and here's why because i fucking hate jukebox musicals you know the concept of jukebox oh. musicals of just like taking a musical and just incorporating pre-established songs into it mm-hmm. really? so this and rocket man and moulin rouge and glee they can all just mm. walk off right into the sun for all i care because if i'm gonna pay the money to go and see a musical y'all have better written some new songs for it right and like moulin rouge is the worst offender for that because yeah I wasn't it's not just other people's songs it's anachronistically using songs from different time periods right like yeah why are these people in like turn of the 20th century paris 
singing fucking Nirvana. It's just like <laughs> I, can't, I guess I could argue that like Moulin Rouge was the first time Moulin was the year when Moulin Rouge and Crouching Tiger came out. It was the first time that I saw like oh cinemas it doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't have to be the kind of the straightforward boringness. And I thought Moulin Rouge and Crouching Tiger totally opposite spectrums. And I was like, this is how cinema can be. Have you ever seen a Knight's Tale? Yes. 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 See, that one is anachronistic, but it doesn't overdo it. It's not a musical per se, but it has musical segments in it. And it's almost cheekily anachronistic in a way that's kind of fun. Yeah, I remember liking that movie. Yeah. And I also really like Across the Universe, which is nothing but Beatles songs. But they kind of, in some cases, altered the interpretation of the song in such a way that it actually actively pissed off Beatles fans. Yeah, and I didn't see that one because, again, it's a jukebox. And also not like the world's biggest Beatles fan either. So. No, yeah, I'm like biased to musicals. Like Moulin Rouge, I it, I feel like it used to be in my top 10. And then I don't know what happened. I just haven't watched it. And then I, I watched it again and it was frenetic. And now I feel like I'm more calmer then. Uh, for Across the Universe, like I remember being like when it came out trying to find a cinema that was playing it. And like all of us going in and watching it. And I do agree that it did things with the songs that were very kind of touching. Like, I want to hold your hand was like, yeah. Me, oh, like yeah. Greatest scene that's ever. A, that's a really good se- sequence of the movie. And I think when I compare that movie to this movie, Mamma Mia 2, Mama it has Mia. none of like the effort. I get why it's done because maybe the time pro it takes a long time to choreograph a scene and like the dance moves and like how you're going to frame the shot for musical and a musical that matters. So maybe they had a time crunch because it's a sequel, but like you can tell when like a lot of it is just let's look at each other and like touch walls and spin around this yacht pole and sing to each other. I'm like, that's, that's not exciting. <laughs> Something I noticed in Mamma Mia, like Mama the original Mia. one, uh, now looking back is that they really rush, uh, donna's love with all of these guys like um even in the first one yeah where um they kind of are talking about why she loves them and why you know she has to choose between the three of them and why she is very upset at sam very specifically she talks about how oh he was engaged and he left me for her and i can't forgive him ever and blah 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 blah. and in this one in the second one it's like nah you turned him away he was trying to explain that to you and and you weren't having it so just like those little tiny details in it as well as um there's a prop in waterloo with the hat um that young harry uses when he's pretending to be napoleon Mm -hmm. um she actually is wearing that hat in the first mamma mia Mm. so i wouldn't have noticed that if i hadn't watched the second one first the thing with this movie is that Essentially, it's doing the thing like, oh, this is a story that was talked about in the first one, but now you get to see it play out. And the trouble with those style of movies is like, no mm-hmm. one really asked for it. <laughs> no. No one, no one needs to have this backstory unless it's beautifully told. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know about you guys, but like kind of watching how she met all these guys wasn't that interesting because mm-hmm. you knew that she wasn't really going to get together with them. So it didn't yeah. really matter. Yeah, and and you have to live up to the audience's imagination, how they imagined these people met, and you know it's the it's the it's the prequel trilogy paradox, I guess. <laughs> Which is also interesting because the way that she describes meeting Harry in the first one isn't how it actually goes out in the second one. So like there is some continuity errors as well. Retconning its own fucking story. Yeah. I mean, see, that's another thing that I didn't know about this movie, and it's another reason for me to dislike it. <laughs> when I watched our first movie, I watched it with friends, and we had a great time. We sang along. 
when we watched it after the movie and we sang along after. So when I saw the trailer for this one, I was like, oh, I'm kind of excited. And then as the trailer went on, the whole thing is like, wait a, wait a second. Did they, did they, did they kill off Meryl Streep? Yeah, we'll get to that. But holy fuck. <laughs> she is front and center of that movie poster, man. It is, uh, it's pretty bad. I think that's why, because the first movie, so much of the weight was kind of the relationship between mm-hmm. her mother and daughter. And this one and the second one, it's there. And those are the better scenes in the film. Yeah. But it's taken, it's not highlighted as not, like, it's not highlighted in a way or not highlighted enough to really land it because you spend so much time doing the whole, like, well, let's do boy number one. Boy number yeah. two and boy number three. Basically written itself into a corner with the structure of the first movie here, right? Because we know she's going to meet these three guys and she's going to meet them all in quick enough succession to not know. Where- I mean, I'm assuming, I have, like I say, I haven't seen the first movie. I'm assuming they never actually solve who the father is, right? No, they don't. Um, they're at the wedding and um, Meryl Streep's like, I want to just welcome, you know, Sophie's dad. And Sophie's like, mom, I know. And she's just like, how can you know? I don't even know. And like all three of them stand up in the wedding and they're like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> this whole thing just seems like a massive child support dodge to me. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there are five musicals that I actually like out of all of the history of musical cinema. There oh, are wow. Five. That's very specific. Ooh, I want to guess. Okay, you want to guess? I mean, we may be here a while. <laughs> Dance in the Dark. Uh, okay, there's six if you include Dance in the Dark. <laughs> I tried to block that one out of my memory because it's just so fucking bleak. Yes. Okay, all right. So, no, I'll change my criteria. There are five <laughs> There are five musicals that I will actually go back to and watch over and over again. Chicago. No, I can't. I'd be so surprised if that was. I don't know why I laughed instinctively can't at that. Can't stand Chicago. Is what is one of them cabaret? No, not a big fan of cabaret. <laughs> Good. <laughs> not that I don't like the movie, but I just can't imagine somebody is, watching it. Is it one of the ones that we probably have never seen in our entire lives? I can guarantee that you've seen at least one of them. One? Yeah. I'm afraid of the answer because we all know how I feel about this one, but La La Land. Oh no, I'm not a fan of that either. <gasps> <laughs> Both me and Laura just shocked. <laughs> no, thank you, Roddy. Oh, you mean Moonlight? <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, On the Town, the Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, uh, 1949 musical is one of them because it was the first musical to ever film on location, which I think is fucking awesome that they were literally doing all of these uh, song and dance routines around New York when they were filming that. And then we jump forward like 40 years to Labyrinth, which I count as a musical um, because it has a lot of Bowie songs in it. Wait, how many songs does Labyrinth have? How many songs? Enough to fill an entire soundtrack. Does he sing that much in there? There's Magic Dance. There's Underground. There's As the World Falls Down. Something about the babe. That's Magic Dance. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know the name. Then what? How many musicals, how many songs are, do you have to be in a film to quantify as a musical? Okay, fine. Well, let's ditch Labyrinth and put Dancer in the Dark there instead then. Uh, but I don't want to go back and watch Dancer. I saw Dancer in the Dark one time when it was in yeah. theaters, and the silence at the end of that movie still haunts me to this day. Uh, number three, Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. You know, they're, oh they're remaking it with uh, Chris Evans in the um, Steve Martin role. Why does everything have to have Chris Evans in it? <laughs> because people like me will go and see it. <laughs> Fair enough. You went so hard on that. Uh, because people like me, Chris Evans. <laughs> I won't say it. You put Chris Evans in the in the like starring lineup? Hell yeah, I'm there. Number four, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good oh, one. That, yeah. 
that one slapped. Now I want to go back and watch that again. Even that film holds up. Uh, and also one that I went to see at the movies thinking it was going to be shit and actually came away from fucking loving it. Uh, Hairspray. Oh, I love that. Movie. Really? Which one? I was well, not the, wait, like ready for that. One's not a musical, really. It has music in it, but the I did not know that. <laughs> I love, I love both. Yeah, the original isn't a musical, but it is. It is a great movie. It's it's really good. Oh yeah. No, Hairspray is solid, and also filmed in Toronto. So I wa- I I actually watched Hairspray and Across the Universe back to back in theaters. I found a theater that was showing both of them in the same evening, and I'm like, this is the greatest night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a solid night. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do the box office for this movie. Um, this movie came out on the 20th of July, 2018. Uh, we all went to the movies that weekend. Did we really? Do you know what movie we went to see that weekend? Sorry to bother you. It was Sorry to Bother You. That's a good movie. You've got Lakeith Steinfeld being awesome. You've got a uh, noted cannibal Army Hammer in there. Uh, I seem to remember there being some horse dong in that movie. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, give me that over Mamma Mia any day of the week. I mean, that's just no contest, though. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay. This movie uh, opened at number two. It did 34 million, which is pretty fucking solid. That's actually uh, the highest grossing opening weekend for a Meryl Streep movie. Not that you could even really call this a Meryl Streep movie, but. <laughs> I mean, she was probably paid that much to be in it anyway. So. This whole thing just smells of people having paychecks wafted under their noses, right? Mm-hmm. Weird thing about the box office this weekend is is that every movie in the top five is a sequel hmm. so when people say to me oh why do you do a podcast about sequels it is because originality is dead and this weekend is yep. proof <laughs> uh number one beating out mamma mia. Um, mia i haven't seen this and i'm assuming that denzel washington's just on autopilot in it the equalizer 2 didn't um, even see the no. first one haven't seen that yeah I'm, he's just killing time it. between you know actual movies Number three is another franchise that I am blissfully unaware of. Hotel Transylvania Free Summer Vacation. Oh, okay. I've only seen like the ending clip of it where they do the Macarena to like, spoiler alert, they do the Macarena to to, like, I don't know, ward off some demon thing. How old were these writers? (laughs) That's very current for children is the Macarena. Well, I, I guess my argument is like when Shrek came out, I had no idea what any of those songs <laughs> they did at the end of it. Before oh, I bring a Shrek, I'm bringing Shrek. It's the original, a <laughs> the original Shrek came out in like 2000 or something. Right. So I know, but all the songs in there, guys, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> just. Oh my yes. god. It always comes back to Shrek. Shrek is a classic, and that's why it gets thrown into the dialogue. It's true. Can we do Shrek 2? Can that be the good with numbers? <laughs> Please? Hey, you you pick your own. <laughs> You're responsible for your own in that month. Um, number four at the box office. Uh, I have actually seen this movie. Don't remember a damn thing about it. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, that one's okay. As, as far as Ant-Man goes, I enjoyed that one. Uh, number five. I must have been really busy this summer because I've barely seen any of these films. Uh, the Incredibles 2. Oh! I haven't seen that yet either. I love that one. I heard mixed things. I mean, I didn't love the original. And oh, really? 
I never really cared much about that first movie. Part of me knows why. I think the reason why you weren't watching as many movies is because you were spending time with us. I'm sure we were out frolicking in the sunshine. Remember when you could go outside? Oh, so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so that was the box office. I mean, other stuff that was kicking around. Future episode, Jurassic Park Forbidden Kingdom. Holy shit, that one sucks. Um, And also, the aforementioned Sorry Abaru was just sneaking around at the bottom of the top ten, so I guess we were helping it clamber in there that weekend. Let's talk about fucking Mamma Mia. Here we go again. This movie starts in 1979 with Lily James, who I guess is playing the Meryl Streep character from the first movie. Like I say, I don't know. I just assume that, right? Uh, she's graduating from Oxford. Is that where? Is that where she yeah, is? That's where she's meant to be. Uh, spoilers, kids. We don't have valedictorians in British education, so straight out of the gate, this movie's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's got her uh, her two friends, young Julie Walters and young Christine Baranski. They're kind of like the stealthy best thing in this shit show because the at least mm. the impressions are good and they look the part, right? Like that mm-hmm. young Christine Baranski really looks like her. Yeah, that, they were fantastic. And um, honestly, it, it's weird for me because I just kept thinking is like, really, you didn't change your hairstyle in the past yeah. 20 years? Really? <laughs> the two friends had to have the exact same hairstyles. And like, I get it because I probably if they had different hairstyles, I would be confused and I would yeah. you know feel cheated. But also, I find myself as, as an audience member, like, really? That's yeah. what you look like? Even though, <laughs> you know, I look the same as I did, probably. <laughs> I mean, I've had the same hairstyle for 22 years, so I can't really pass comment on that. But, <laughs> but you change it at least once. Well, I no, I just grow it, and then I get bored and cut it all off again. Um, so yeah, they, they're, they're graduating from Oxford, and they launch straight into a rendition of When I Kissed the Teacher, which is a shocking statement about the ethics of relationships between students and their teachers, and yep. how that position of trust can be exploited for emotional gain. <laughs> Psych! They're on bicycles now! <laughs> straight away, I'm just hating this movie. I'm surprised that many people had bicycles. I mean, they're students, right? I guess. Yeah, I'm surprised some of them went on fucking unicycles and shit. No budget for that. And this is kind of like what you were saying earlier about people in the background in musicals, right? There's like an inherent narcissism to be in the lead in a musical, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, oh my God, everybody God. stop what you're doing in the real world because I'm going to do a song for five minutes. And if you don't join in in the background, you're going to look fucking weird, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the peer pressure of musicals. I never understood that scene. <laughs> Oh man, I went to a musical high school and it just Wait, you went to high school musical? Ah, oh my god. <laughs> I actually love high school musical. That was my jam for a long time. And I will stand by that. But also the second one is iconic where Zac Efron is just running through the golf course. Bet on it? No. Does he have a shirt on? It is bet on it, and yes he does. It's a polo. A polo shirt. Wow. It's an iconic scene. A lot of people of a certain generation just know it. I'm assuming that if any of us ever want to go golfing and we're with Laura, she'll be tempted. First of all, if you can get me to go golfing, good on you. Second of all, yes, that's exactly what I'll be fucking doing. <laughs> I mean, for this number, though, like I was super, I don't know. I didn't like the song and it wasn't like for every musical, you need to have, need to have like this amazing opening number. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not familiar with this fucking song. I didn't even know this was an ABBA song. So A lot of these ones I didn't know of. And also, I found that the singers were just... They didn't have that like power to it at all. Like They were just kind of chill. And I, I wonder if that's because I've been spoiled by... Oh, God. Uh, Idina Menzel or whatever. The Adele Dizzy. actress from Frozen. Idina... <laughs> yeah, she was in... Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, her power is unbelievable like yeah. you can just feel it from her diaphragm and I, yeah i don't know wasn't well, she in wicked she was in she was she in the was. stage version of wicked and she was yes. also in rent yep yeah she's been in a lot of stuff yeah she is a broadway icon <laughs> i've seen her in person yeah uh no biggie it was the uncut Ooh. gems premiere uh but yeah Name dropping. yeah a little Sorry. bit um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, we cut to Amanda Seyfried, uh, who is in the present as Meryl Streep's daughter. And straight away, it's like, oh, shit, Meryl Streep is dead. She's like, like she's right in the middle of the poster. And she gets, but she gets um, an and Meryl Streep credit. So we should have maybe suspected something was up with that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was she? Was she busy the weekend that it took them to shoot this? Um, I don't know. I guess it's supposed to show the uh, independence of Sophie now. And allegedly, mm. it's cancer. Was that ever mentioned in the movie? Does anyone notice that? I literally, the next note I have literally says the movie doesn't tell, bother telling us how she died. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's cancer, so it's not even like something fun that kills her? Oh, allegedly, as far as Wikipedia is telling me, it's just that. And it's, what, five years after the wedding? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see that, uh, Pierce Brosnan is a little aged. He's got his little peppering going on. I didn't get that this was meant to be five years later. I just assumed this was meant to be 10 years later because it's the 10 year oh. gap between the movies. So as far as I gathered, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I thought uh, it, she's 25 now, right? Cause she got married at 20 damn. or she, she didn't get married. She ran away at the altar and then Meryl Streep got married. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought I heard 25. I don't know. I could. Okay. Who cares? I don't think it matters. This plot yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy Freed says Sophie is moping because. For the entire film. <laughs> just, just constantly moping. Fixing up her mom's hotel and she's trying to figure out how to get people to go there, even though it's a hotel on a beautiful island and the internet exists. So there's this thing called Airbnb where you can literally just <laughs> put shit like fucking pictures on there and be like look how fucking awesome this hotel is and it's on a fucking awesome island like i don't know why she thinks she and anyway she thinks she needs to throw a big party and meanwhile her husband's like i have this awesome job come live with me and she's like no yeah he's like um he gets offered a job managing a hotel in new york right and apparently he's he's there in new york to go on a training course to learn how to manage a hotel i mean that's like me being made the ceo of mcdonald's after my first go at using the fryer right yes (laughs) it's very strange yeah and look i like amanda seyfried right i think she's um jennifer's body joke for joke she's the funniest performance in mean girls okay Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Um she's yeah. really good in Mank. She's probably like better than the actual movie around her in that one. Mm-hmm. But like you say, all she's doing is just kind of swanning around this hotel looking either thirsty or bored. <laughs> she's in my favorite musical. She's in Les Mis. That's your favorite musical? Yeah, Les Mis is my favorite musical. Oh, do you remember that night that we did karaoke? And you were all oh, I was hoping you weren't going to remember that. Jams, and then somebody threw on Les Mis. Remember when Roddy and I were singing, and I was so drunk I couldn't see, so I couldn't read the lyrics? 
lyrics that I couldn't hear and I didn't know where we were in the song. I just remember crying on Ronnie's shoulder because I was in so general, lost. karaoke is a little, it's fun. I, everyone should do it. But then you realize when you actually put a song on how either difficult or how either like long it actually is. And then you realize you hit the point where you regret pressing play. Yeah, you start singing it and you realize that you can't possibly sing in that key, but you have the entire <laughs> rest of the song to get through. So you're like, that uh, night was when we impulsively decided to do karaoke and we went to that place and they were like, you can have a room, but you've got to spend $150 behind the bar. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, it seems like a lot. And then we spent between like, I don't know, nine, 10 of us, we spent like $150 in 20 minutes. Yeah, that was amazing. And the amount of shots that like, <laughs> that wasn't bought was obnoxious. And I remember I had a road trip the next day. Yep. <laughs> And I have never been more miserable in my entire life than on that two-hour drive. Oh, I miss karaoke. Me too. Me too. But yeah, um, lame is I. Li- I don't like the movie per se, but like I, I like her in it. Um, I don't much care for Gerard Crow in it. Beth, <laughs> who was in it? <laughs> I think you mean Russell Butler is in that movie. Russell, okay, so it was Russell Butler. Okay, Amanda uh, Seyfried's her uh, her husband or whatever. I didn't like that actor at all. But the actual musical and how it's very minimalistic and the set changes around them, I find that sick. I love seeing the actual live version of it. Oh yeah, that movie had like a visual touch to this. This movie was like the more i think about it it's like it's kind of like a hallmark film it is because literally every hallmark film is like i lost my mother to cancer and now i have to rebuild this old i don't know <laughs> shop, uh, restaurant a bridge to, re- to yes. keep her memory and i'm like no this is, i don't remember like, that part of the christmas prince <laughs> it's taking away the two best parts of that premise though because amanda seafried is rebuilding a hotel but she's not going to fall in love again she's already in love and uh the younger version of donna we don't even know her that well so watching her take an interest in a hotel is like eh. i think as well chemistry is a very important thing and yeah. to have a movie about a girl finding like running into three guys and like how that world like the summer of romance i felt yeah. none of the romance like none of them yeah. had no guy had chemistry with the main Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we'll get to that, but holy shit. Um, Yeah, so Amanda Seyfried doesn't want to go to New York. Uh, She kind of stoically says, I'm always going to be here. Like, what, is she a fucking ghost? Yeah, the Greek overlook or something? Is that how Meryl died? (laughs) That would have been... Somebody needs to make a musical version of The Shining. Yeah. (laughs) It can happen. They made American Psycho into a musical. They made... (laughs) Like any, there's a lot of movies that became they made Ghost into a musical. <laughs> like, oh my god! Interesting. It can happen. But yeah, Sophie's constantly like, "Well, we have to stay here," and everybody around her is like, "But do you?" It's one of the ones that don't understand them and they don't understand the relationship. Because first off, he went abroad to learn something, and a part of yeah. me is like, "Did you ever have the question or talk about what happens if you got a job there? Yeah. Like, did you have that?" <laughs> Well, I don't think so, because he said that he was just going to learn. So, like, I don't think that he thought that he would be that good. Um, And I think the other thing was, is that I know that at the end of the first one, they go off to travel the world. So I'm wondering what's making Sophie think that she has to stay there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why? You just went around the world. Some kind of, like, devotion to her mother's memory, maybe? I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Because, I mean... 
I thought it was really cute that they had all of the pictures of Meryl Streep all, all over the place when it was finally decorated. They were just little promo shots from the first movie. They me. absolutely were. <laughs> yeah. Well, she she thinks that she has to stay because her mother, quote unquote, gave up traveling the world to stay and run this hotel because she was pregnant. That's that's what Sophie thinks happened. Um, so she thinks that she has to sacrifice her own life. She's got a little bit of a little bit of Stockholm syndrome going on because here. of that. It, like, oh, my mom had to give up her life. I guess I'll just do what she did. Like, no, you don't. You don't have to. I, I do get where so so where she's coming from. I could see that I wouldn't want my mom's dreams wasted. Mm. I wouldn't want what she went through to mean nothing if I were just to go on and sell the shit that she worked her entire life building up from like yeah. literally ground up. So I get that in a way. I didn't get that feeling, though. Yeah, because she hired that dude who seems perfectly capable of running the hotel. Right. His sweet accent, good-looking older dude. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fernando? Okay. All right, look, here's how this movie came, movie came about. Mm-hmm. Somebody made an ABBA playlist on Spotify. Then they put it on Shuffle. And they wrote down all the names of the songs that came out. Mm -hmm. And then they, in the most half-assed manner possible, they tried to uh, create some connecting tissue between them. And while they were doing that, Godfather Part 2 was on the TV in the background. And they just went, oh yeah, okay, what we'll do is we'll have like two stories running in different time periods at the same time. And boom, that is it. That is how they wrote this fucking movie. So how Godfather 2 works? Pretty much. Never seen it. And speaking of Godfather and tying it into what we were just saying, Fernando played Mm -hmm. by Andy Garcia. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. What are you mm-hmm. doing, Andy Garcia? You're so much better than this. You probably made a hefty paycheck. He's pretty far away from the Untouchables in this movie. Damn. No, I'm thinking like when Laura mentioned she couldn't feel it. I wonder, like, not to knock Lily James or the actors, or like a part of me wonders if if it was cast different, if they gave a different performance. Like, because a part of me sees all the things there and how it could be a good movie. But, like, again, for me, and I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but, like, first act, great. Third act, great. Middle act, I'm like, you get super bored. And, like, after a while, you're like, wait, this movie's still on? So, I don't think it's the casting, in my personal opinion. I think it's the pacing. It's the story. Mm. Yeah. It's the actual writing and it's the pacing because if they had leaned into Sophie and the memories and like why she felt so connected instead of like throwing it all into the last like in that third act, then I would also be a little bit more invested. But I think the problem is as well with Mamma Mia, the original, is the pacing is off too. So I think it's just legitimately how they are trying to tell this story is wrong. Yeah, Mm. there's... There's no emotional weight given to hardly anything. So the, the the musical segments, in my opinion, for me anyways, don't work as well because there's no, like, we don't know Lily when we meet her. We don't mm-hmm. know much about her other than the fact that her mom's a singer and she wants to travel and that's it. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the end, the choice that she makes at, uh, at the end, sorry, did I say Lily? I meant Donna. <laughs> um, well, I mean, now we know which same, Donna you're talking same. about. Yeah, young Donna. The choice that she makes at the end is actually like my favorite bit because we actually get a glimpse into what her values are and what her priorities are as a human being we get to know her a little bit more but yeah her personality is no longer overalls (laughs) we don't know anything about donna going into it so it's 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 hard to find any emotional depth to you know what is happening it's just a bunch of musical sequences 
Now, don't get me wrong, though, with Meryl Streep, whenever her and um, Amanda would be on screen together, I sobbed. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, (laughs) like, my t-shirt, so I was was watching it in bed on my laptop. My t-shirt, the front of my t-shirt was soaked. And Cohen was going, like, into the other room. And he stopped to look at me quickly. And it was just like, don't look at me. No, (laughs) like. Literally losing it. No, okay. I will agree. Like. We were talking about, we were earlier talking in another conversation about like what our favorite musical scene is. And I think it's the one where she's like in the church and it slowly mm-hmm. reveals it's like Meryl Streep. I was like, this yeah. is solid. This is like gold. This is what the movie should have been from the beginning. <laughs> the, birth, the, birth scene, the birth scene is what gave me the feels of like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, there are other reasons for that, but you know, like, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it, that's where I really started to, to, to get pulled in, in the last 15 minutes of the movie. I was totally fine, like, absolutely good until yeah. they go into the church mm. and then she's standing there waiting at the altar because, like, that's, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I just, like, lost it. And mm-hmm. there's, in the first movie, uh, the scene where she's helping Sophie get ready for her wedding. Slip it through my fingers? <laughs> yes! Slipping through my fingers is not okay. That's not an okay thing to ever. <laughs> but then that's when they're talking about how, um, you know, she talks about the little things and how she misses the time she spent with her daughter and how she wishes she could pause time mm. because it's going too fast. And now she's giving away her daughter. And it just like every single time I watch it, mm. I lose it. And it's just like, I don't know. I cry for about half an hour after I have to pause the movie. The thing is with this movie, like I part of me is like, eh, whatever. But like I feel like if I were to watch this, I did. I did watch this with my mom for the first when I watched it the first time. And mm-hmm. it was like just a great experience because like the mother-daughter beats are so strong. When mm. you hit that scene, you like look at your mom and you're just like, let's like let's like have a hug. I I haven't hid this. Like my mom and I are very, very close. So, like, those scenes, when they actually get it right, get really under my skin and just break down every wall that I have. I'm just like, oh, my God. So, I don't know. When they get it right, they really get it right. But it takes them so long. Like, the entire movie, I did not give a shit. Yeah. Until that last fucking song and (laughs) got me. It's like, are you joking? Because they have to keep pausing all of the plot development to do song sequences. It it doesn't. I guess it's just hard to do like tell a story using ABBA songs. <laughs> so, out of if you had a choice, would you want to? This is weird and gross. Is now I'm thinking about it. Never mind. No, 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 I'll no. Say it. you gotta say it. Okay. Okay, it's all like chemistry and whatnot. And sometimes with romances, sometimes you watch it because of the physical attraction. So mm-hmm. were you more physically attracted to the older versions of the three guys or the younger versions of the three guys? It oh my god. On which one? <laughs> because okay, I would say that like young Bill Anderson was pretty good looking, and so is young Sam and wasn't feeling young Harry. <laughs> which one which one's which again? Okay. So the second and third young people were pretty were pretty attractive to me. First one was not feeling. <laughs> oh, you mean Harry? I yes. was feeling Harry. I was like, look at him all like, kind of dirty. Really? I I don't know. I don't know. He just had this like. I guess it can't compete with Colin Firth. I mean, Colin Firth can walk in a room, and I feel like oh every... yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Colin mm-hmm. Colin Firth. I I don't know. I I was uh I I don't even remember what the young guys looked like. So that just shows how much. 
I was attracted <laughs> to them. I, I, yeah, I like I, Pierce Brosnan looks good at any age, uh, in my opinion. Um, I agree. And uh, yeah, Colin Firth, awesome. Uh, the guy who played Fernando. Sorry, what was his name again? <laughs> <I think so. laughs> my brain's farting. Uh, Dominic uh, Cooper or uh, Sky? Oh, Dominic Cooper. Handsome. Yo, he's preacher. He has like. Oh, Dominic Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, looking, looking ace. <laughs> There's um. They do the rendition uh, in the first movie, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, don't go chasing. Don't go oh, or lay all your love on me. That's it. Mm. Yeah. He sounds like John Mulaney in it, and oh. I can't get over <laughs> it. Meant to watch it again. Yeah, I think you can just like listen them- to the song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't watch the whole movie. Don't put yourself through that. But it's campy. That's why I was saying like this movie had less camp than the first one. Mm-hmm. And like, and then this movie had Cher, and I'm like, I don't even know how that is possible. Yeah, how do you get less campy, but you have Cher in it? Huh. I don't know. I guess maybe, like you said, the pacing was off, and they didn't give, like we talked about this earlier, they didn't give enough time to the dance sequences. Like, yeah. the lay all your love on me scene, like, first off, they're on a beach, crawling on the ground, singing to each other, wow. and that's ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, his bachelor party come out of the ocean and yeah. start, like, snorkel dancing. I'm like, that's camp. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. no, after Waterloo, there was, like, none of that until Colin yeah. Firth shows up. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of that Waterloo sequence, this is where Lily James, um, she meets young Colin Firth, and I guess he's played by like fucking some Eddie Redmayne looking motherfucker. I don't know who this guy is, but um, uh, he dresses like a punk, but is probably like the least punk thing ever. I think that's part of the character. My note was, why is Harry's coat so small? And why is Harry walking so weird? Yeah. He was, I just felt like his body language was kind of fucked up and, and not natural. But maybe that's just the actor. I don't know. Harry's supposed to be spontaneous or something like that. And clearly he's not, but he's working against that. So I guess it's supposed to be a confidence thing. Also, he can't really sing that well. Um, they go for dinner and she tells him that she's heard about this island in Greece where apparently you can see the edge of the world. I'm just thinking, is Donna a flat earther? <gasps> She did say the world is wide. Um, they do this rendition of Waterloo because he tells her that he's a virgin. Um, and again, it's just yeah. people standing in rooms singing ABBA songs, right? It's like, it has oh, no yeah, visual panache to it at all. They did a little bit more here. They did the whole thing like, let's put the chairs in and we follow that as they step on it. Yeah. And they had that large wide shot where they're all together doing a dance movement. Like, that was weird. I yeah. thought it was interesting. And at least it like was trying something compared to everything else. And then Lily James just kind of pity fucks this guy anyway, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, we go back to Amanda Seyfried Land where Pierce Brosnan shows up and he's like moping around this hotel as well. Everybody in this hotel is so fucking mopey. Um, Sorry, I just had a thought because I was complaining about how like they just move around. But then a part of me is like, there are musicals like once and I'm like, they're just sitting at the piano, but like, that's a good scene. Once has like some emotional heft to it, right? Yeah, like the, the sex thing, one of them said, I thought it was miraculous. And I was like, really? They could have shown us some of Hell that. Yeah. instead of <laughs> Yeah, man. I'm Megan, I've got a bone to pick with you because on our Matrix episode, you promised me that there was like a... I promise you no such thing. I was making assumptions. I was making assumptions based on the trailer. <laughs> I feel somewhat shortchanged. This is a movie that's meant for moms and their daughters to watch. It's good. You don't want them to have a scene that's very awkward where you see them having sex. No one wants to watch a movie with sex with their parents. 
I honestly thought that a movie about a uh, a young woman, you know, banging three different guys in a very short period of time in the same summer would be, you know, more interesting than this. Yeah, I mean, this movie is very chaste. Um, yeah, it's being pretty chaste for a movie about, you know, a story about a woman who doesn't know the father of her child because of, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not making any moral judgment on sexual proclivity here. I don't really. Oh, care I am. That. This girl like. <laughs> <laughs> It, it 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 it's like yeah okay she has a very friendly fuck with this guy and then with this guy and then with this guy so i want to ask this to Neff. imagine there's like a is it pedro pedro God, he did like women on the verge of a nervous breakup oh pedro almovador yeah and like i feel like i wondered i'm curious because he has a pretty interesting like grasp on like the female perspective particularly with his movies so i'm wondering how he would take this film and i feel like that movie would be amazing oh my god i would fucking love to see that i mean that's kind of part of the problem right is is the this director old parker he doesn't have much of a visual style he doesn't really seem to have much of a take on the material um it all just feels very pedestrian yeah like the the musical sequences don't move anything forward and it it's like it doesn't have to be complex but like the interplay between the characters during the musical sequences like some of the body language like that's a perfect place to tell us more about the character but it doesn't was he a musical director no i don't think so um anyway yeah we get pierce brosnan moping around he sings a song and i gotta admit i was like led to believe from what people said about him in the first movie that his singing was like super cringy i didn't think it was actually that bad uh first one is a little bit rougher okay it's not her it's not horrific but i wouldn't say that he's suited to a musical no i agree but it, it wasn't yeah. like the worst thing i ever heard i mean it's not it's not as bad as gerard butler trying to sing opera oh Whoa. fuck that fan of the opera <laughs> I hate that so much. wait wasn't russell no sorry <laughs> they were both in musicals <laughs> yeah oh. that's right they both they, they alternated roles between scenes um no for real jared butler was in a musical no Yes, was it? Yeah, dude, he played the fucking Phantom in that Joel Schumacher Phantom of the Opera movie. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the podcast before. Yes. I, I guess it's one of the movies that you just forget happened. Yeah, I kind of wish it never happened. <laughs> he, he scream sings. Even um, Bruce Willis was better. Well, Bruce Willis wasn't singing opera, but like in Hudson Hawk. Hell yeah, Bruce Willis is better in Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to put that on my musicals list as well because that's borderline a musical. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I can't stand Andrew Lloyd Webber. Sorry, Laura. Um, <laughs> anyway, Lily James tells this Eddie Redmond kid to fuck off um, and then she gets on a boat with young Stellan Skarsgård. Mm. Um, you know, it's a good job that Stellan Skarsgård doesn't have like any sons that look like him that could have, you know, maybe played this role. <laughs> it's not like... It would be really expensive. A lot of them. Yeah, I think they have better things to do than be in this movie. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Alexander Skarsgård is in that new fucking adaptation of The Stand and that thing fucking sucks. Who did, who did he play that he plays randall flag oh i mean he's like the most watchable thing in that show but holy hell that show is a wow meh. okay i mean as much as i hated the dark tower uh matthew mcconaughey actually because that that version of the man in black was basically randall flag yeah sure which i don't which i don't i don't like the com- combining of those characters but that's a whole other rant but matthew mcconaughey playing randall flag actually makes sense to me because like he would rock that he would totally embody that no that that stand tv show is terrible um 
there's this set piece. They're they're on a yacht now, um, mm-hmm. and there's this set piece where some guy that they pick up from a boat. He needs to mm-hmm. get to an island to stop the love of yeah. his life from marrying someone else. Even though you know, maybe she wants to marry that other person. We're never really given her perspective on anything. <laughs> there's kind of like a lot of farting around on the sea here, and I yep. just don't care about any of it. Really quick though, best song in the in the movie, the boat. Yes, I could. I don't even remember. What can't even remember it. Really, I can't it remember was... which. I can't remember which one was on the boat either. Why did it have to be me? Oh. I mean, is this movie just compiled of ABBA B sides or something? Because yes, they used up all the A sides in the first. Sure. Movie. Yeah, I wasn't ready to like the song as much as I did. I have not fucking stopped listening. This is the one. I I, I I couldn't. I don't know why. And I think it was because I remember thinking that all of the songs were flat up until that point, and then there were some really strong vocals in that and i was like this is the best song so far and i kept comparing all of the songs after to it too and i was just like these songs fucking suck too so what happened and i just i don't know i really like josh dylan in it i thought he was charming and i really like that song i don't know but arguably to me that is the best song that came out of Mamma Mia 2. Okay, fair enough. Or I was just more entertained by him trying to leave some poor dude floating around in the ocean just because he wanted to get laid on his yacht. Hell yeah. Why <laughs> stop, not? Stop cock-blocking me, man who's stranded. Fuck off. Right. He's just like, you'll be fine. We'll call the ghost guard. The coast guard, like, goodbye. <laughs> Let me smash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They get to the island. They find this uh, abandoned hotel, or she finds an abandoned hotel. She runs into young Pierce Brosnan, who's played by the kid from War Horse. Yep. Uh, they hook up, um, and then they break up because apparently he's engaged to somebody else. Um, and we get knowing me, knowing you. Aha! Made me laugh for all the wrong reasons. I, I just remember that ending with her sad and, and, and just caressing a horse at the end. And I was like, I guess. She poked the horse in the eye. Can we talk about that? Uh, I didn't <laughs> do that, but if she did, fuck her. The horse, like, kind of pulls back and she, like, tries to hold on because she poked it in the eye. No. But um, there's that storm that's going on in Sophie Land. Mm. Yeah. And there's that cut back to her trying to hold the welcome sign up. And then uh, Pierce Brosnan comes over to help her like he helped her mom. And that caught me in the feels. I was just like, Aww. that's a cute little like yeah. snippet. I like that. I should have watched this first movie because none of this did a fucking thing for me. I was just like, because eh. she, she was like, oh, I was afraid this might happen. And I'm like, well, why is your entire party outside then? Don't, you don't have a backup plan? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you yeah no i think even in the first one sophie is not the type of character that i'd be like friends with in real life yeah <laughs> it's like it's everything is about her all the time yeah like, like she doesn't care about her friends literally her friends come over this is a hallmark movie where the friends just come <laughs> over to like help out the main lead and cure all her problems like there's a whole storyline where one of her friends likes one of the guys and a part of me that's a really tough position to be in let's yep. focus on her oh for oh for donna you mean yeah or one of her one of one of her friends has a crush on the on yeah the rosie on the, Harry, has a, right has a has a crush on the, the swedish guy no. yeah the swedish guy or the skinny yeah. whatever the blonde dude no. <laughs> i don't know who i don't remember anybody's names anymore it's okay yeah and then we cut to modern day colin firth who's contractually obliged to be here i guess 
Yep. Yeah. And then we get also get in quick succession Stellan Skarsgård in a fat suit. I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to skip over the fact that anime was on the side of the Tokyo building, and I will not let that I, go. I that was amazing. It. I can't believe that Boruto made it into this movie. And like of all the anime that could be represented, that was it. Are you joking? I don't know. I don't know. I think they probably need like what's what's Japan? I don't know. What anime yeah. do you know? Oh, I guess Boruto. There. How much do you think that they paid to have that in there? I don't know. Like, I guess they would have to clear it. Yeah. This is just getting too weird. This is, even though part of me is more interested in this. Right? Yeah. How do they I'm clear Naruto and Bruno? Yeah. I mean, grab what you can from this movie, right? Um, yeah. Unless they're like, Synergy, the, the audience for Mamma Mia would totally be into Bruno. So, well, actually. <laughs> so, you know those, like, um, what are they? The overlapping circle charts? Venn diagram. Yeah. Venn diagram. Yeah, the Venn diagram. I'm in that little tiny triangle <laughs> where it's like musical cries at uh like memories of your mom and also likes anime. That's me. <laughs> that little tiny Venn diagram. It was diagram. made for you. What? Like why? Yo, would you watch Mamma Mia two as an anime? Mamma Mia. What yes. Could that even be. Okay, so then it would be the ultimate like time skip anime where like. Sophie would go back and party with her mom and and learn more about her mom. Oh, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know, like, like, well, the first movie had like a fountain that broke, so maybe when the fountain breaks, somehow the water makes her go back in time. And oh there my you go. god! There yeah, what go. this what this movie really needed was a DeLorean. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but can't you say that about every movie? I was gonna say every movie needs a DeLorean. Let's be real. Think about it. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. If a DeLorean showed up, you'd be like, oh, cool. Oh, wait. This is even better is now. that movie called Fallen Kingdom? I think I called it Forbidden Kingdom earlier. Mm. No, that's that terrible Jet Li film oh, that okay. had like. <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, so, okay, so after we see some anime, um, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we meet, we see Stan Skarsgård wearing a fat suit, um, mm. and it's actually his character's twin brother because this movie suddenly thinks it's the fucking clumps or something. I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, now I remember this scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's the scene with Lily James and the younger versions of Julie Walters and Christine Baranski where they sing Mamma Mia in the restaurant. Yeah, I like that. Uh, could you got to shoehorn that in there somewhere? I like Lily James's singer singing better when she doesn't have any of the backing track. She's actually, it, it shows really shows off her vocal skills when it just has her going acapella. I'd like, I wish there had been more of that in the movie. I like it. But also that song actually kind of made sense for the moment where like mm-hmm. she was cheated and now mm-hmm. she's just trying to get over it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this makes sense. This logically mm-hmm. fits into the story. Yeah. And I mean, look, I fucking hate ABBA, right? Mm. When I was a kid, we had two cassettes in the car. One of them was a Liverpool band called The Spinners, not the Motown band. And the other one was um, ABBA's Greatest Hits. And we took a lot of car journeys backwards and forwards and that was all we ever seemed to listen to. And I just got so fucking sick of hearing ABBA. And I remember one year my brother got a uh, Sony Walkman for Christmas, which meant that he then managed to negate listening to ABBA on any car trips. And I would just like be nudging him in the back seat, like, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? And he would like hold up the Footloose soundtrack or something. And I'd be like, <laughs> Did I get a shot on that? And it was like a hard no. So I was just stuck mm-hmm. listening to fucking ABBA on a loop. Um, that said, Mamma Mia is a catchy song. Mm. Uh, it's an earworm. Mm-hmm. But also catchy doesn't mean good. Because yeah. you know what else is catchy? 
coronavirus is catchy. <laughs> <laughs> ABBA ruined the world is what you're saying. Yeah, That's I equate ABBA to being that. the same as the fucking thing that has caused the pandemic that has ruined all our lives. Um, no, I I don't mind ABBA. Like, I take it for what it is, and it's like kind of... Well, I, it's escapist music, and I'm like, it's fun and catchy to sing with your family. Like, if someone, like, blares this up, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. But then when I actually listened to the lyrics from Mamma Mia, I was like, I don't like the lyrics. <laughs> well, I think the problem is, is that um, because it's Swedish, right? Mm-hmm. They don't actually know any English. Did they? So they don't understand what they're saying. Really? I mean, I feel like, I don't, I as far as that's that. what I've heard. Let's go find them, have an interview and bring this our podcast to Most them. Swedish yes. people have got a pretty good handle on England. On England they do. On English. Um, on English. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, this is just what I've heard. I could totally be wrong, so I'd, I'd love for people to like let me know. You can write into but... the podcast at bwnpod yes. at gmail.com and let us know if Laura is correct. Please correct me. <laughs> or we can go to the Abbey Museum in Sweden and they have a phone. I don't know why I know this. I just do. They have like a phone there that you could pick up and they could be on the other line. Ring, ring. Why don't you give me a call? That's a, oh, that's an Amazon, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Amanda Seyfried's all upset about the storm um but then the weather is just like fine again 10 minutes later um and everybody is now on a boat heading over to the island anyway so i don't really know what she's moaning about it's the same fucking ferry booth guy that was there in the love it it's the same guy he doesn't even look like he's aged oh wait is this the character um omid dejali plays he's a he's a pretty well-known british he's like you no longer look like your picture did you guys stay long enough till the end of the credits for his yeah the movie has a post credits tag i didn't see that I'm gonna have to watch that. You don't need to watch it. Um, okay. Yeah, and they're all they're all doing Dancing Queen on this boat sequence, uh, and I'm kind of struggling to see what the fuck that has to do with anything in this movie. Like, what does that song have to do with this scene particularly? Nothing. Because it's really, I don't know. It's a really it's upbeat song. It's got to be something exciting for when Amanda Seyfried, who's all mopey, sees the boat full of people coming to her dope ass party that she paid. for for already i guess i mean surf and skarsgård even do a fucking titanic reference on this boat yeah i saw that and karen (laughs) is sat in the back of the fucking cinema going "Ah, titanic look titanic (laughs) that was me i am karen they walked out was it colin firth that was uh tied to the chair yes yeah what was it because he was like oh you know sometimes you need some challenges or something like that and then and then the one you tie yourself down until yeah, yeah, and then the other guy ties him tighter and leaves him there, and uh, we didn't get to see how he extricated himself. Uh, oh, no. Dominic. Yeah, oh, okay. oh, okay. Guy was just like, oh, need a hand? And then, <laughs> okay. I guess it's... How they introduced Dominic back into the scene. It's like, oh, Yeah, to say that. that he's also here for Sophie for some reason. Like, hey, look, your husband. Here's a theory for you guys. Andy Garcia is actually her dad. I was going to say Andy Garcia is actually the father of her baby because the, oh, the fact, that she's, the fact yeah. that she's pregnant does not line up with... The- Either one of those plot lines would make this, like, way more fucking interesting. <laughs> Because this movie is just so fucking inert and drama-free and yeah. just jokeless. Oh, I hate it so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. It brings it just her being pregnant just brings up so many fucking questions. That's the guys. That's the trilogy. The third movie is going to her figuring out who's the father. Andy Garcia. Uh, <laughs> it's either Andy Garcia. Who's the third? Who's the third? <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. No, it's Omid Dejali. It's the guy in the, the booth. At the, yes. The, the, yes the uh customs guy 
love it. So the island is its own like Groundhog Day. And basically, anyone who shows up is just a secular pizza. So her daughter is going to yeah. have the same problem. And she's going to have to somehow rebuild yeah. the, whatever Greek villa. So there you go. This is actually a horror film with ABBA. <laughs> I mean, it is a horror film because not long after this, Cher shows up. Oh, yeah. For the opening of the hotel. Because, you know, fuck it. Why not? Apparently, she's Meryl Streep's mom. And she was absent for a lot of her childhood because she was a famous singer. I think the movie knows its audience, though. I feel like... When shares in this, you're like, oh, I like, I feel like the audience. <laughs> See, I didn't know she was in it at all. I I love Cher, but I don't know that she really sings in the right key to be singing ABBA. Well, she's not auto tuned to shit for a start, like she is on yeah, pretty much every record she's made after about 1972. But um... she's still a fantastic singer. I just don't know that you know constraining her to ABBA seems cruel. <laughs> yeah, and we find out that Cher and Garcia used to be a thing, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying that. But of course. Whatever. Fernando. Uh, and then they have the big hotel opening, and then six months pass, and they're all like shoop shooping their way to the top of this cliff. And I'm kind of just praying that they're all about to go lemmings here and just throw themselves <laughs> off. But no, it's a christening. Yep, she slapped a baby all the way up that mountain. Yep. Um, an hour and 40 minutes into this movie, here comes Meryl Streep from beyond the grave to pick up her paycheck. <gasps> is her character like fucking the character she played in Death Becomes Her? Is she actually immortal? And her and Goldie Horn are just like hanging out in a cave somewhere on this island? Side note, they should make a sequel to that. <laughs> Wait, no, they didn't die at the end. Spoilers, I'm sorry. Continue. Oh yeah, Amanda, please don't spoil a 29-year-old movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Sophie has the epiphany that her mom didn't just settle on the island and have a baby. Her mom chose to stay on the island and have a baby. I don't know why this needed to be an epiphany, but apparently it was. I mean, like, the other thing is, is that Sophie could have felt very trapped for a lot of the time where she's like, no, I have to stay here. I have to stay here. And then when she came to that epiphany, she's like no i want to be here and like that could be a little bit freeing in itself where it's just like i don't know for for a lot of people you you can find yourself kind of going down the same path as your parents and that can be terrifying for a, a lot of reasons but then when you kind of come to your own conclusion about their journey you're like wait a second you know and it changes your view i don't know i mean she it's her childhood home so she doesn't have to like leave it forever right and and she's got fucking andy garcia running her hotel she doesn't have to she doesn't yeah. have to worry that guy, that guy rocks. <laughs> exactly. Of all the people to have running your hotel, I think I would choose Andy Garcia or maybe Mr. Mosby from Sweet Life. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I was like, where'd you go with this? I was like, that, yeah. <laughs> that guy was sick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't know. I was good. And then I saw that scene and then I cried. And then they, what was the last song that they all sung together? They all do this song and dance routine to Super Trooper, which again, has nothing to do with the plot. Um, but all the generations of characters are all there and they're all yeah. mixing and mingling. I actually, actually really love that scene. And uh, basically, because they're all in the same space at the same time, the fabric of time and space rips open and they're all sucked into a vortex and that's how the movie ends, by destroying the entire universe. <laughs> or it just cuts to credits. I don't know. I don't fucking care. I had tapped out so long before this movie finished. The, the old and young versions of the characters were dancing with each other, except for one pair of characters. Harry and, I, and Harry? I think it was I think it was Harry and Harry, yeah. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be like the part of the characters. Like, I wouldn't dance with my younger self. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I agree with Megan. This like it was the scene was great. I was like, oh, here we go. It's like full of energy. Seeing them interact with each other, like this is the scene where like I was like with my mom. It's like, yeah, let's dance, and then we dance. No, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. I, like I think this movie knows what it is. Mm-hmm. I just wish maybe that second act was a bit better, and I probably would like it more. But like Mamma Mia, the first one, I see not like maybe not maybe like once every two years. Okay, so Mamma Mia was originally a uh, West End show, right, and then later a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of movies based on musicals out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about musicals? That are based on movies. Do you guys want to play a game? Sure. Oh. If I had an air horn, I'd do it right now. Some films are based on books, and some are based on games. Some are based on TV, it's rarely quite the same. The purpose of this quiz that I will now present Which musicals are based on movies and which did I invent? My favorite part of that whole thing was just all four of us swaying in like <laughs> <laughs> unison. <laughs> okay, so I am going to give you guys in turn the name of a movie and I want you to tell me if it was ever produced and i mean professionally produced not just like some amateur tin pot fear company did it i want it professionally produced as a musical on a stage okay okay sure uh it's just a yes or no we don't have anything fancier than that for this quiz i'm afraid um okay laura you're first okay was the movie home alone ever staged as a musical oh i would love that but i don't think so that is Ooh, correct. Hey. It has never been a musical of Home Alone, but goddamn, somebody should do that, right? It's so good. I thought for sure it had already been done. You just have to do it yourself like the Ratatouille musical. Ooh. It was a TikTok musical. You know what is a musical? I'm not going to bring it up just in case. I'll bring it up at the end. All right. Okay. Uh, Megan, mm-hmm. the trauma movie, The Toxic Avenger, ever been a musical? Uh, yes, I believe it has been a musical. It has been touring since 2008, and it took up a residency in the West End in 2017. Okay, Laura's got one, Megan's got one. Roddy, the 1998 Gwyneth Paltrow movie Sliding Doors, ever been a musical? What? I want to say no. That's correct. They have never done a musical Sliding Doors, and yet it feels like something that somebody would do a musical about, right? Mm-hmm. I've never even seen it, so no idea. It's a real like Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Laura, yeah. the 2000 cheerleading comedy, Bring It On. Oh, no. <laughs> really? It was a musical. It premiered in Georgia in 2011 before moving to Broadway for six months in 2012. Son of a, can we do that? Can we just put on that musical? I mean, I yeah, sure. Why not? Sounds I've got my cheerleading outfit right here. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Megan, mm-hmm. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Ever been a musical? Oh, pff, uh, sure. <laughs> no, I'm afraid nobody ever made a musical of that one. I don't fucking know. Dot in the dark. Roddy. Yes, sir. <laughs> the 2004 teen religious comedy, Saved. Ever been a musical? Hmm. Good movie. No, it's a great movie. I love that movie. 
I'll say no. Uh, I'm sorry, that was performed off Broadway in 2008. Uh, what are the scores? Megan and Laura have got one each, and uh, Roddy's got none. I got Roddy's one. Got one. <laughs> How dare you take that away from me, sir? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, everybody has a point. So yeah. it's still, mm-hmm. it's still all to play for. And I just want to stress to you guys that in this game, the winner takes it all. Uh, <laughs> love it. And by that, I mean you take nothing. Um, but uh, okay, last round, Laura. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Point Break. Ever been a musical? Yes. Ah. I'm afraid no. They did an interactive live stage show in LA where an audience member got to play Keanu's part every night. It doesn't run anymore. Otherwise, goddamn, I would have loved that. that but uh, no, they never did it as a musical. That's hilarious. Uh, Megan. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's the 2nd of February today. Oh, <laughs> has uh, has Groundhog Day ever been a musical? Oh, not that I know of. Oh, it is a musical. It was a West End show by Tim Minchin, oh and it transferred to Broadway. And it, yeah, really? and it closed pretty quickly. Holy shit! I love the reactions for this. Like when you're wrong, and it's like you find out it actually is a musical. It's like almost better. <laughs> uh, last one, Roddy. Yes, sir. 1991's Academy Award winning. The Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Musical or no? I want to say no. <laughs> so I'll say no. I'm afraid I, that I, it I, was a musical. Yeah. It's been performed in London and New York since 2005. Yeah. And it is notable for giving Clarice Starling a lisp, which I guess is hilarious, but whatever. So wait, who actually won that? Did you all just draw your... Three-way tie. Three-way tie. Oh, man. Hey, Neth. I should do a tiebreaker, but nah, I can't be bothered. Um, Neth. Did you hear about whether or not there's a Shrek the musical? I knew this was going to come up. (laughs) (laughs) Not not only was there a Shrek musical, they retooled it about a half a dozen times. So the the filmed version that's on, I think it's still on Netflix, is a chopped together version featuring sequences from multiple versions of it, I think. Weird. To answer your question, yes, I was achingly aware that Shrek was a musical. Um, Good. Very much looking forward to when we talk about Shrek 2. Now I'm just going to make a thing where I'm just going to name drop it from see where I can name drop. No, I'm just going to cut together all of the, these fucking episodes and patch together an episode on Shrek 2 so then I don't have to be a part of it. Um, <laughs> okay. We just yeah. have sound bites of how much yeah. Neth hates Shrek just over and over again. For the longest time, because of The Simpsons, I thought that Streetcar, a streetcar named Desire was a musical. Like, that's just what it was. And then years later, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I hadn't seen the movie. Years later, I just, I don't know, at a book sale or something, I picked up like the, the play script as a book and I read it and I'm like, it doesn't have any musical breaks. <laughs> no, I, Brian, was, I know the Brian was like, that's the joke. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't fucking know. Because I didn't Did you think Planet of the Apes was a musical no, as well? No. They did a musical version of that on The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Um I mean, I guess my biggest question about Mamma Mia, here we go again. Mamma Mia is um why does this movie exist? Money. Like, who is this for? I don't understand. Mom and the daughters. <laughs> uh is it really? Oh, okay. I mean, I I take that as an answer if that was really the case. Moms right? and their daughters who like Abba who want to like see uh, have like it's like you have brunch and then you or you have brunch after the movie or before the movie and then you watch it and also like 
I feel like there's a big like Abba's like a gay icon, so I feel like there's an audience there. I guess. I mean, look, the first Mamma Mia was such a fucking huge hit, certainly in the UK. I think it kind of did okay in North America, but in the UK, it was like for a pretty long period of time, it was the highest grossing film at the UK box office ever. What? I think uh, Force Awakens knocked it off like seven years after it came out. <laughs> the film was just fucking, the first one was just fucking huge, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, why did they make the fucking sequel? <laughs> I just, it's not for me, right? So we'll, we'll go around the horn, foe. Like, would you guys recommend this movie? Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it um, if you want like one of those feel goods, like Roddy was saying. Mm-hmm. It's good for the mindless nonsense in the back and it's good for like good tunes it's the earworms and and such but if you are looking for depth and a good story maybe not (laughs) yeah i mean they're generally the kind of things i look for in a movie but sure um roddy recommend it yeah like if you like abba and like escapist like movies then this is it like laura said there isn't there is not much depth, but where there is, it's surprising and it catches you off guard. And I think that is to its benefit. No, I mean, it's just a good, it has good moments. Like I wouldn't say a harsh no on this because there is some value in some of the scenes. Maybe the first one. I would do a double feature. There you go. Double feature. There you go. <laughs> uh, Megan? I mean, if you really like ABBA, sure, I recommend it. But I mean, if it's, if you're drink if you're drinking while watching it, sure. If you're not, if you're doing other stuff while watching it sure if you're having a party or something and it's on in the background but i don't know i wouldn't recommend it as something to sit down and watch like straight through with your full attention because like if you're not super into abba you're gonna get bored uh i i just feel like there's better musicals that you could watch and give your full attention to just in terms of like choreography and visual you know interest and and yeah i don't know i've seen better just to add on the like yeah it's true like I would recommend this, but the list of like musicals that are better than this. Oh is, god, is yeah. So far, it's so large. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess I've already made my feelings on this one pretty fucking clear, <laughs> but no, I would not fucking recommend this movie. This is um this is the worst movie we've done as far as I'm concerned. Really? Um, this even this even trumps like fucking uh, American Pie two in really? things that just made me uncomfortable to watch. I had such a bad time watching this <laughs> film. That, um, I really hope I never have to see it again as long as I fucking live. Um, but that's just me, right? And I'm a cynical old person with no heart. So what do I know? That was our episode on Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Mamma Mia. Uh, Dirty by Old Parker from the year 2018. Moving on swiftly, gracefully. Megan, what are we doing next week? Well, get your camcorders ready and your surveillance equipment because we're uh, we're doing Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Hell yeah, we are opening that Book of Shadows. The, why, why is it called that? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think they even bother explaining that. Hooray! Adventures! What connection does it have to the first movie? It's weak. Uh, but I mean, it, the connection it has to the first movie is, is that everybody in Blair Witch 2 saw Blair yeah. Witch 1. Yeah. This, is, this is one of those fucking exercises in yeah. meta-textual oh, God, yeah. movies. And oh man, I am dreading going back to this because Confession, when this movie came out, I was very vocal about how much I liked it. Hmm. I feel like I might have been wrong. 
I tolerated it when it came out because I really do love the kind of the lore around Blair Witch. But uh, I mean, Book of Shadows feels more like fan fiction. And also I noticed when I was uh, queuing this up on Amazon, it's a tight 90 minutes. Praise be for movies that don't outstay their fucking welcome. Oh, yeah. Until then, we have been bad with numbers from Toronto, Canada. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Bad Numbers Pod. Uh, we're on Instagram. You can drop us an email too. It's in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Any suggestions, comments, criticisms? Fire them over. Uh, until next week, take care. Stay safe out there. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Swedish, Macdonald, Weegee.